Hi there. I'm very excited about my guest, but before I get to my guest, I have a little message from our sponsor here. I want to encourage you to look into the generous students and generous family homeschool uh, curriculum. And the reason is because it promotes generosity with our kids. It's a whole 26 week course. It improves emotional well-being. It develops character. It, um, it enhances learning. Uh, and it reinforces biblical values. It's really a great program to put your kids in and do it with them and learn about being generous and being giving. So go to samsorbo.com. You'll find everything there. You'll get a, a discount also. Uh, and uh, I, I urge you to sign up and check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Hi there, I'm Sam Sorbo, and this is The Sam Sorbo Show. I'm welcoming to the show today a very special guest. He's an author. He's also a national security professional with service in five areas, the Cold War, Peace Dividend, War on Terror, War in Chaos, and now the Great Power Showdown and the Fight to Save Our Republic. You do not want to miss this. He's also the former Director of Cybersecurity Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs at the Department of Defense. John Mills joins me, retired Colonel John Mills. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, and he's written this explosive book, The Nation Will Follow. So welcome to the program. Sam, thank you so much. An honor to be uh, on your show with you. Well, it's great. This is, a, this is a very important thing that we're talking about. We're talking about saving the nation, basically, right? So why don't you talk us, why don't you walk us through first, why did you write the book and what were the what were the ramifications of this book hitting the market? Well, thank you, Sam. Well, uh, it was my time uh, inside the deep state. And I'd say I was essentially one of the first whistleblowers. I am officially a whistleblower, a registered whistleblower. But this was uh, starting back in, in, in uh, uh, you know, I realized after I left government, uh, in uh, February of 2018, I said, I've got to I've got to do something here. This is really bad. And uh, and so I, I, I wanted to get in front of the Durham investigation that it was not formed, didn't come out. Durham didn't really form until 2019. But then I got a, a very quick statement in front of him uh, and had to update it uh, uh, several times because of changing events and because of, of requests uh, to, to add more fidelity. So um, and there's actually some good things that came out of the Durham investigation and the rest of uh, 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 Charles McGonigal former director of uh, counterintelligence in the New York field office. Uh, and he was arrested after he retired for working for the Russians and receiving pay for the Russians. But he was the one in early 2016 in some of the classified meetings inside the Pentagon. That's where all of a sudden all this Russia, Russia, Russia whispers start going on. It's like, whoa, whoa, where, where is this coming from? Well, it was McGonagall. It was McGonagall. He was one of the architects uh, who created Russia, Russia, Russia. Interesting. Brigitte Gabrielle has been quoted as saying that you are a hero in our movement fighting to preserve freedom and our nation, that you have a wealth of knowledge about the deep state and some shenanigans that will make smoke come out of your ears. I'm sure that's probably true. I've had smoke coming out of my ears a couple times. I thought Russia, Russia, Russia came from Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Well, she was part of the collusion. So McGonagall in office at the time he was willfully, actively part of this whole game and this whole fraud. And this is, this is the uh, the dalliance of the, the the you know this is not just the politicals. This is the career civilians and the uniformed military that essentially have chosen and decided to uh, uh, 
create an allegiance to the deep state. Now, if you talk to them, they say, oh, that's not true. But their behaviors speak for themselves. And I had a lot more, a lot more encounters and that were really several times almost came to fisticuffs and uh, other things. Because uh, it, it is, I realized, you know, it was, it was uh, a little bit later. It was on the A ring of the Pentagon. And that was, that's the inner ring of the Pentagon. I was rushing to a meeting and uh, ran into somebody from the from the Bush administration. These are the Obama years. And from the Bush administration, somebody I was a good friend, a mentor. And we were, he was rushing to meetings. That's what you do in the Pentagon is rush to meetings. And I, and we, I ran into him. I said, well, and I just said, well, you're, hey, the, the, uh, 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 the, the convention's coming up. You're going to support Trump, right, at the convention? And his, his response changed my life. I mean, the most important was being, being a saved believer in Christ. But his response was, no, we see more opportunities with her. And I just, I, I just like, I, I just almost lunged at him, grabbed his throat. I go, who is we and what opportunities do you see? This is insanity. And so right then I realized Donald J. Trump was right. There's this thing called the deep state. And from that point onward, I said, this is war. Everything, a lot of my events go back to like 2010 in the Obama years. But it wasn't until that event when I realized Donald J. Trump was right. There yeah, is a deep he became state. he became a lightning rod for the deep state before people really recognized there was a deep state. Uh, I think when he came down that escalator and he said, "Hey, we got a problem with China," and you know we've been uh, we've been sold that China is our friend and we should have free trade with China, even though you and I both know that's an impossibility, right? Because when you have free trade, it means both sides are acting. Uh, are acting with honor, let's say, and truthfully. And of course, that's not the case. So let's talk about that, um, the, the idea that, that Trump probably might not have been as aware as certainly he is today of the, the behemoth that he was taking on with the global cabal, let's say. Um, let's talk about Janet Yellen's trip on the heels of Biden's trip to China and how that, um, how that uh, manifested later. Well, I, I don't mean to be an ageist, and I'm starting to get up there uh, in that category, but you got to know when it's time to get off the stage. And, and, and Yellen's trip, <laughs> I mean, that was what a pathetic. Uh, and the, the, the Chinese just love this deference. And her, you never get taught. And I've done many international negotiations from the tactical to the strategic, and I've been in many, many very high-level negotiations. You never, as an American delegate, come in and bow. Uh, and I'm sorry, we just don't do that. And that, well, Obama that, did it in Saudi Arabia, though. Well, you know, and his uh, spokespersons also came up with some creative explanations. You know, oh, his back was hurting. Oh, this or that. I mean, Yellen was, you know, oh, she was, wanted to pet her cats or something like that. I don't know what was going on. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was a pathetic. Uh, uh, theater that went on and I mean and you, you just listen to her uh, statements in front of Congress uh, when she's given testimony I mean you got to know when it's time to get off the stage and if you can't uh, say something intelligent uh, maybe don't get on the stage and uh, yeah I mean all that what all it did at this point in time is is all it did was invalid because China has one focus and that's domination they want yeah, they world are domination the, yeah they are the center of the universe. They are every everything else. Everybody else is a tributary state, and 
her behavior, all it did, and then we sent Lurch, uh, right, you know, just in the last few days. I mean, what was that, you know, what was that all about? And then before Blinken, and Blinken went over there to, uh, really it's un unclear why Blinken went, and, and as he's leaving, uh, China says, not only are we opening up a reopen, they say opening up, they've been there for 20 years. Not only are we uh, uh, opening a spy base, we're opening a military training facility. So as he's jetting back across the Pacific, you're saying, yeah, and we're also going to do military training right off your shore. So this three, these three, uh, they, they were supposed to be the adults in the room. I'm still waiting for the adult in the room. So, okay. You also go into, in the book, you talk about Florida. I'm a resident of Florida. And that kind of put me on edge because I did not realize that the Chinese were uh, establishing occupancy. So talk about that. Where, where are they now? And I mean, we're aware that, I, is it called the Silk Road? Is that what they're calling it? They're yeah, calling uh, Bel it? Belton Road, uh, uh, Silk Road. Uh, um, but this is where they essentially use a lot of money and they don't have a lot of liquidity. They're running out of liquidity, but they will project their, what's left of their liquidity away from their people and feed their people. They have a serious food problem. And they buy off these poor countries. Cuba's a, a poor, pathetic country. Bahamas. I, I realized in 2019, we went to the Bahamas and everybody I talked to, they were just, you didn't even have to bring up China. They were furious with China. So uh, around Florida, we just came back from 10 days uh, in Miami Beach and the Keys. And, and uh, wow, so we... Florida is now surrounded. So the Bahamas, uh, you know, 40 to 90 miles to the right, uh, very strong Chinese presence, no U.S. ambassador. We have a very sensitive sub-base out there that's unclassified. But the information from that sub-base goes across the Huawei network infrastructure and the now Huawei, the undersea cable that goes from the Bahamas to Miami. Okay, the Equinix facility in downtown Miami, which is the national access point of the Americas. So, so they actually have control over communication. Absolutely. Our, our, our ones and zeros are being uh, inspected. Uh, all those ones and zeros from the sub base are, are you, you bet they are, uh, Chinese MSS is ripping those packets to pieces, trying to penetrate cryptography and understand everything. This is bad, very bad situation. So it's being intercepted, but at some point, they could literally cut off ties to the sub base over there because that's, I mean, yeah. except for cell phones or whatever, I suppose that it would have to be multi multi layered cutting off ties. But if that's the main, the main uh, secure transportation or secure information line, they have control of it. Uh, uh, it seems a little wrongheaded that we would allow that to happen. <laughs> well, stupid, we but. <laughs> We have not had an ambassador since I think 2006 in the Bahamas. So the message of the Bahamas is you poor, pathetic people, we really don't care about you. That's very bad uh, diplomacy. And uh, the Chinese come in and start throwing their money around and uh, uh, it just, it's corrupting, uh, incredibly corrupting. Okay. Talk to me about globalism. Uh, you know, we've we focused entirely on China, but there are more players than China to the globalist uh, agenda, correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, there's some a little bit of debate about this. Um, you know, who is the true puppet master? Is it China or is it Klaus Schwab and the WEF? And I think the test, and I always take this from Trevor Loudon, uh, 
very experienced in this area, but uh, is um, would China exist if the WEF uh, uh, and Klaus Schwab didn't exist? Yes, China would still exist. Would the WEF and Klaus Schwab exist if China didn't exist? Uh, there's questions on that in the in the in the current time because China is really the dominant puppet master of all of this activity. All roads lead to China, but Klaus Schwab and the globalists, and that's the problem with uh, many of our elite in America. They just uh, fall all over themselves uh, going to the WEF forums and, uh, or, or our own domestic version of that, the Aspen Institute. Uh, they just, you know, they, and I, when I was in DOD, we go to the Aspen Institute all the time. What could possibly go wrong here? They're gathering a smart folks of course we want to be here this is the wrong people and what's to be the difference around. now well i think now we more fully understand uh they do not have the best interests of the american citizen in mind or any citizen of any country they only have so the, the best Aspen institute maybe even the wef we don't I, I i don't know how far back you go with the wef but at some point the aspen institute was in a sense won over by uh, say communist tendencies, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say the Aspen Institute is absolutely suspect. Uh, and and should we be sending all these government officials? I mean, that's that's largesse and donations. Even if they're, I mean, if they're buying a ticket and traveling and showing up, it's essentially government support for the the Aspen Institute. And we do send we do send government officials to the WEF forums. Why are we doing that? Well, but you used to go to the Aspen Institute, right? As a um, as yeah, a well, let, let me let me be totally clear. I actually was on the roster to go uh, a couple of times right toward the end of my career, uh, and for priorities didn't go. But I did on numerous occasions. I had to prepare the read ahead packages for those who were who those senior officials who did go to the Aspen Institute. Um, and and at the time back then, we were just it wasn't it wasn't clear uh, that. This is probably not a good idea. At the time, it seemed like a good idea. I mean, like mass surveillance. So, but what changed? So, so either it wasn't a good idea then. So that's my question: Was it not a good idea then, or did it change substantially? And how how has that affected the way that we behave? Well, I think it's more clear now, and I think Donald J. Trump has, has been very helpful in educating that uh, these institutions uh, do not have the interests of the average citizen in mind. And I don't think that was clear back then. I don't, I don't think that was really, really clear. It just seemed like a lot of smart folks who know a lot of things about a lot of topics. You know, of course, but we can you the make US the government. Argument that, can you make the argument back then that there was maybe, it was a bit more two-sided. It wasn't quite so decidedly uh, in, the, in the favor of uh, globalism as opposed to the individual citizen? Yeah, I, I, I think there has been, uh, that's one place where the, the word evolution is, is, is accurate. I think there has been a, 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 an evolution of, of a number of the institutions. Like, let's go back to the UN at the, world, at the end of World War II. Okay, the, the UN was kind of a good idea back, you know, we just conquered fascism, totalitarianism. No, <laughs> but, well, but at the time nope. we say, you know, we'd say, okay, you know, Bretton Woods, let's bring up, uh, let's get you know, really deep and sophisticated. Let's bring up the Bretton Woods uh, system for financial, you know, what was the future of the financial world going to be? 
we are, we get a bunch of smart people together in a hotel in New Hampshire, and they come up with the dollar as the world reserve currency. What could possibly go wrong? You know, and the UN, what could possibly go wrong? I, it was a, it was a, it, it not after some of the, you know, like the, uh, uh, the naval treaties and the Breon Pact to outlaw war, you know, were totally dysfunctional. But okay, maybe, but we have to be disciplined about uh, this, is, this is the two key words, whether you're talking about the intelligence community, law enforcement, any of these institutions, it's always transparency and accountability. And that's where everything goes south is very little transparency and accountability. And there's and no transparency. More towards opacity and um, in unscrupulous behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. And okay, so here's the problem. And I'm sure you've heard this before. Every, every conservative institution will grow liberal and progressive over time. That's the nature of institutions. Unfortunately, it's the nature of the institution and most remarkably, perhaps the institution of government. And that's why our founding documents were, were, were used to be so ironclad, but now we have a Supreme Court that intends on overreach so often because they're almost justified. It's like it's necessary because there's so much overreach already that in order to, to counteract that, um, and so then we have a government that's just replete with overreach. Um, we have elected officials who are too afraid to stand on their own two feet. And so they appoint regulatory agencies and regulatory bodies who are not elected. And then they blame the regulatory bodies for making decisions so that they don't have to make the decisions. And unfortunately, the U.S. public has basically very little idea about this because why? Because we went to school and who runs the schools? The government. And the government doesn't want you to know the government is up to shenanigans. So the government teaches you, hey, trust the government. We're the good guys. <laughs> We're here from the government. We're here to help. I mean, that's. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what you said is has not been said enough. And I think that's it's, it's extremely uh, important uh, is the natural trajectory of these institutions of any institutions is toward, uh, let's call it small L liberalism, um, uh, but it could be big L liberalism also. Uh, and I think that's, uh, what you bring up is an extremely important point. Just like what is the natural state of, of human affairs? Is it toward order or disorder? It's toward disorder, right? So you have a Christian faith that, that, that wants to bring in order in a, in a good way through the message of Christ. It's, it's the, but what you're saying is so important. The natural trajectory of these institutions is toward bad things. It's toward globalism. It's toward it's elitism. Toward, it's toward globalism. So it should come as no surprise. And of course, our job is to combat it on every level, which is what your book uh, intends to do the nation will follow it's available anywhere you you find your books um, what do you what do you want people most to get out of this book what do you want for their reaction to the book to be well I, I want it to be a compelling and interesting uh, story which it is about but my personal experience you know it may be the vanguard of the whistleblowers to blow the whistle on this on the silliness inside government but I want it to be a message of hope, and I want it to be an action, action, action plan prefaced by Stephen K. Bannon. It's not just things are bad. What do we do about it? And it gives right. an action 
It gives an action plan for 95% of us Americans. We need to expend 97% of our energy right where we live in our counties, because that's the foundation of the deep state are the nanny staters right in our 3,300 or so county and county equivalents. It's showing up to these school board meetings. Even if you homeschool, we homeschool. Even if you go to a school of faith, doesn't matter. You still need to show up to these stupid, boring meetings because this is where the cancer starts. This is the they 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 stole the country from us over forty years as we were focusing on God, family, and country, which is the right order. But part of that means we spend time at these governance venues: the school board, election board, county council election registrar, sheriffs, judges, prosecutors, these seven common functions, that's the foundation of our constitutional governance. And we just, we're too busy. We're too busy to show up. Well, well, well uh, okay, we're too busy, but we've been taught that we don't have to show up. We learned in school that those things are inconsequential. And why do I say that? Because it was never covered in school. We, were, we never were taught anything about them in school. Therefore, they must be inconsequential because school purports to teach you everything you need to know. That's your education. And if it's not included in your education, copyright or what a trademark, right? Education, trademark, um, then it doesn't exist. It's not important. And so we learned not important to show up for, for uh, local elections, not important to show up for school board meetings, not important to vote for school boards. And in fact, that's, you know, the county elections and the local elections are the most important because that's how the nation is guided ultimately. It's those smaller elections. So um, I wanted to ask you the, the last thing that I wanted to cover, and we have just a few minutes. You're talking in this book also about the bribes that were received by the Biden family starting as early as 2014. So Yeah, right. And, and this is covered in, in uh, the war against the deep states coming out in the fall with, with even more detail on this. Yeah, in 2014, and Schweitzer is documented in his book on, on money going to the Biden family. Uh, 2014, two critical events, China Island, Island building starts, and then also China breaks into the Office of Personnel Management. Well, isn't that coincidental? Was the money to the Biden family, was that the green light that, hey, China, it's okay to island build. China, it's okay to bre breach uh, OPM and get 25 million records if anybody's had a top secret clearance. Was that, I think that was a quid pro quo. And, you know, I'm inside government and we have Obama officials furious, furious about these things. And it's like, well, did they just not know that uh, Hunter and his dad were receiving money? Uh, did, were, were they play acting? Uh, maybe they weren't brought in, but they were brought in later. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is the genesis of all of this uh, really is Hunter and his dad receiving documented payoffs starting in 2014. And so where are they documented? That's what I don't understand. Oh, hey, we, got, we got two critical artifacts now. So this is, this is beyond Schweitzer had documented very well in his book on, on China money. Um, but critical, we now know Treasury has the suspicious activity reports, which they have been shown to a number of uh, congresspersons and senators, uh, not giving it to them. And I've been at this White House and we've shown documents, but not allowed them to take notes or pictures or have copies uh, from uh, uh, members of Congress, but now members of Congress have seen the Treasury suspicious activity reports and the FBI FD 1023s, which which are the written documentation okay. of criminal activity. So now we have two courtroom artifacts, and we have an executive branch 
fighting, fighting Congress to keep this hidden from Congress and the American people. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the president of the United States. They can't let that stuff out. Listen, John Mills, we've run out of time. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. Um, the name of the book, once again, is The Nation Will Follow. This is a guidebook to how to save this country. I, I hope you get a copy and share, uh, share another copy with a friend. Um, this is The Sam Sorbo Show. John Mills, thank you so much for joining me. Sam, an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Two, three, four.